0: Welcome into to the mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host Jake Patterson and um, yeah, uh, I was going to record this show on Tuesday like I normally do, then I twisted the crap out of my ankle and uh, didn't feel like recording. So, day late this week, but uh, I'm glad it was a day late because there's a lot of new stuff to talk about that happened. In just the first couple hours that, you know, everyone was awake on Wednesday. There's some NFL stuff we'll get to later because I refuse to allow the NFL to take away March Madness's shine. But, as you can tell, we're not leading off with March Madness this week. We're leading off with Halo because this freaking conversation keeps coming up. And I'm sick of it. I, I... I have said this on this show multiple times, but there is enough Halo news this week that I felt the need to lead with Halo. And we'll start off with the big one because it blew up on Twitter. Thanks, Nick Merks. I will say this again very clearly. Halo Infinite does not need a battle royale. No shooter does. Warzone completely screwed over COD multiplayer development and all of multiplayer's game flow and fun because now people only play multiplayer to rank up their guns for the new guns for Warzone and then they never touch it again. So the, the individual developers don't put any effort into making multiplayer good. Because people are just going to level the guns they want to use in Warzone. Once they find out what the meta is from the big streamers who are at fault here, we'll get to that. Once they determine what the meta is, everyone just goes and plays multiplayer to level up those like two guns. Maybe three or it's usually four. It's one assault rifle. it's It's one assault rifle, one shotgun, one pistol, one sniper. You level up those four guns and you
1: never touch multiplayer again. Like, that's what happens. And hopefully, they, hopefully, COD will stop with that
0: bullshit soon, but Warzone actually makes the money. I don't see that changing, unfortunately. Halo is a completely different ballgame.
1: The way Halo is, one, this is the big one, a BR would not fix Infinite's problems.
0: First month, we had game-breaking bugs and crashes constantly. That's
1: mostly been fixed. I haven't had, I've had like one crash issue in the past two months. Like,
0: even when I'm not streaming and I'm just playing offline just to like uh, grind event cosmetics, because the TacOps Ops cosmetics were really good, don't let anyone tell you any different. Like I-, I wanted to grind the Tac Ops cosmetics and I like playing SWAT. So it was it was a much more fun event than uh Tenrai with Fiesta, because Fiesta just makes me angry. And it was a much more natural progression of playing Halo than Attrition. Attrition was fun, and the Cyber Sharedown cosmetics were good, but the best Cyber Sharedown cosmetic was Neon Superfly. It was just in the store for 10 bucks. Like that's that was the best Cyber Showdown cosmetic. Electric bubblegum armor coating is okay. I just don't really like hot pink, so I I, I unlocked electric bubblegum, and uh, I unlocked the neon screen. Um, the only one I didn't unlock was the Mohawk, which is kind of
1: disappointing. But adding neon to a Spartan just is just asking to get shot in the head. Like adding
0: neon to your helmet area in Halo is just asking to get shot in the head, so hopefully that th- this is a rambling conversation, but what else do you expect from me? Halo Infinite's problems would not be fixed by adding a battle royale. The game would still be unstable. cheating would cheating and hacking would get even worse because hackers love BRs because it's way harder to catch them in their bullshit. Because there's 150 people on the map instead of, you know, eight.
1: Or even in Big Team Battle, 24. It's a lot harder to catch them in their bullshit in a BR. So no, Halo Infinite does not need a BR. What
0: Halo Infinite needs is, the big one, more maps and modes. And they are working on this. King of the Hill is coming in Season 2. A new map is coming in Season 2 that looks really good. Forge shouldn't be too far behind because I don't think... They they said Forge will not come out when Season 2 drops, but they have not specifically said Forge is not coming out until
1: Season 3. And Season 2 is not going to be as long as Season 1. Season 1 is six months long. Like, the game came out in November. We don't get season two until May.
0: We still have another two months. Or month, really, because March is almost over, which is weird to say out loud. But we we have basically another six-ish weeks until season two drops. Compared to how long season one was, season three is going to come out in no time. Season
1: three is going to come out in September. September? No, August. Season three is going to come out in like late August. So cut 343 some slack
0: here. They said co-op campaign will probably take until season three. Forge doesn't seem like it. Forge will probably be mid-season two, at least for what I've seen recently. Forge is still projected for mid-season two, which is good. We desperately need more maps and modes. We desperately need Forge. We desperately need co-op campaign. Because those are Pillars of Halo. Like, I know Forge hasn't been around forever. Like, think about it this way. Forge is a pillar of Halo? It was added in Halo 3.
1: Think about that. Forge is an absolute pillar of this game. And it was added three games in. So no. Halo Because adding a BR would only fix in the short term because
0: the way BR bitches like to play, unless they play Apex, they like to play like bitches. Go watch any Battle Royale that is not Apex Legends. So basically
1: Warzone or Fortnite. What is the primary strategy of winning Warzone and Fortnite? You camp until Final Circle. That's it. That, that's the main strategy for both games, especially since Fortnite took building out. You camp until Final Circle. And, and honestly, like look what taking out building has done to Fortnite. It is more
0: interesting to watch because it plays more like Apex. Apex Legends is the only BR I actually enjoy watching. Because it's not entirely reliant on RNG and camping like a little bitch. Like if you want to survive late game, you have to have gotten in gunfights or your shield won't level up. Because off the rip, the best you're finding is purple, which is good. But by late game, like if you find purple off the rip and then you camp and find until final circle in apex, you're going to die. Because you're going to get swerved by people who have red, and the difference between red and purple is actually a lot.
1: Or you're going to get swerved by people who found gold and have self-reds. So,
0: the entire way BRs are predominantly played is completely antithetical to how Halo is supposed to be played. Halo actively discourages camping, you know, with having a motion tracker and all that. Um, and just normal games being heavily reliant on vehicles, map control,
1: and game knowledge, not camping, not camping in RNG. Cause you know how you win
0: in a game of Halo, even, even in, when we're not talking about vehicles, even when we're not talking about vehicle control and all that. You know how you win a game of Halo? You control the power weapons and you control the power items. And if you just camp near them waiting for them to respawn, you're going to die. Because a lot of times they are in either very confined spaces that are very easy to throw grenades into or wide open spaces in the middle of the map where it's very easy to find a concealed position and shoot you.
1: So Halo's style of play is completely antithetical to camping. So no, Halo does not need a battle royale. The big streamers have
0: people convinced, and I like a lot of these guys, Tim the Tatman, Courage, Nick Nick Merckx. These guys all have people convinced that BRs are interesting because they are interesting. They don't
1: have to do that much in terms of gameplay, so they can let their personalities really come out. Like Tim the Tap Man is the most funny when he's
0: not playing Warzone, when he's like playing Wordle, or he's, or he's playing GeoGuessr, or when he's spectating. Like that is the that is the time Tim the Tap Man is the most interesting. Not when he's playing. Not when he's like sweating his ass off playing Warzone. He's not that interesting because he's not that engaged with chat. Like when he's screwing around, which BRs also allow until you're in a fight because, you know, you don't respawn. When he's screwing around, that's when he's the most interesting. Same thing with Nick. Same thing with Courage. Same thing with Doc. Doc. And anyone who has listened to this show knows my opinion of Dr. Disrespect. I really don't like it. Because he's not actually that good at anything other than Call of Duty and likes to act like he is just an expert on what gaming should be. How can you, like, before Halo Infinite came out and we knew about all the problems it has, how can you watch the Halo Infinite campaign reveal trailer, which was really freaking good, go back to October, put yourself in that mindset and rewatch that trailer. It was really freaking good. How can you watch that and say, no, I think this game needs a BR? How twisted does your brain have to be to work that way? I mean, this is the guy who's who's calling out YouTube gaming on Twitter and acting like he's so much better than them when he has openly said he's not going back to Twitch, so clearly his brain doesn't work entirely right. I mean, he he walked into a a bathroom with a with a hot camera and a hot mic at E3, so. Clearly the guy's brain doesn't work all that well. But. Give me more maps. Give me more modes, which they are doing. King of the Hill is coming in season two and a new map is coming in season two. Give me more maps. Give me more modes and give me Forge. That's all I need. But like, because I'm not that great of a Forger. But Forge is so much fun to play around in. Like, Go boot up MCC and play their forge. You can spawn a saber. You know the thing you used one time in the entire Halo franchise and one of the best levels in the history of Halo. I mean, uh, that that's not the best one. Like Long Night of Solace is really good. It's not even the best level in Reach. It's one of the best <laughs> campaign missions in in the history of Halo, and it's
1: not even the best one in Reach. But you can spawn a saber in in. Master Chief Collection Forge. And the chaos of flying around a ship meant for
0: space combat on even the biggest Halo maps is so much fun. Let me do that again in Infinite. The big team battle maps on Infinite are huge. Let me spawn a saber. Like, like, just create a dogfighting map. Spawn a saber at each end. And you have variants. One with a banshee, one with a, uh, a wasp. You have three variants of it. One with a saber, one with a banshee, one with a wasp. And you spawn them at each end, and it is just a 1v1 dogfight map. With, like, obstacles in the sky. Let me do that again, because you can do it in MCC. Give me another blank slate map I can just screw around with with my friends on Forge. Give me another Forge World. Forge World was a freaking awesome map because a lot of HCS maps in the Reach or MLG maps in the Reach era were just made on Forge World. They were just like floating out over the water, and they were really good maps. Like you could just you could just copy and paste Forge World from Reach and just say, "Oh yeah, this is on Zeta Halo." Like, this is a different... Like, reskin it a little bit to make it look like Zeta Halo and say, oh yeah,
1: here. Like, Forge World already kind of looks like Zeta Halo anyway. Just drop for You don't have to make
0: any changes. Just change some of the aesthetics to make it more like... Look like Infinite instead of Reach. Drop it in and you have a super happy community. We don't need a Battle Royale. That genre needs to die.
1: Not keep growing. And I don't know why more people aren't saying
0: this. I I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. And like, if Halo was truly dead, HCS Kansas City wouldn't be on the verge of selling out. The VIP tickets are already gone. They had to open up more. And I think those are mostly gone. Like, team passes are... Team passes are gonna sell out because they still have another month. They they literally have five weeks because HCS Kansas City starts on April
1: 29th and is currently March 23rd when I'm recording this. And like, they're going. Like, they're selling. And speaking of... Speaking of
0: HCS Kansas City... Uh, we do have some good Halo news, and the community coming together to do cool things again. Uh, version One, up and coming esports org, technically parent company, but also subsidiary of the Minnesota Rocker. It's weird because the Rocker came first, and then Version One was born out of that when they wanted to expand into other games, and they couldn't use the Rocker branding. They just kept the the black and purple color scheme. Version One is. Uh, using the the uh, Game Pass has PC Halo Infinite Open which is a mouthful of a tournament name but the winner of that will get to go to HCS Kansas City as version 1 they'll buy them a team pass they'll pay for their they'll I think and I think they'll pay for
1: travel, room and board and food which like it's Kansas City the hotels aren't going to be super expensive but like
0: they're going to jack the prices up because they know they have a major event right there. Like there, I, I looked at this cause I researched going to the different majors. There's a lot of hotels right around the venue and they have probably jacked their prices up. But the fact that like version one's like, yeah, we, we we want to make this fun. We don't want to just sign a like find an amateur team we like and sign them. We, we want to make this fun. We want to give everyone a chance. And, uh, Speaking of everyone, I am actually <laughs> currently putting together a team to try to compete in this thing and maybe go to Kansas City. It's an absolute long shot because, you know, I'm, what, Silver 3 right now. <laughs> if I grinded all day, I would probably be better. And, like, if I could actually get this to work, that's what I would be doing. I would pl- be playing Halo a lot more often than I currently am. But, yeah, I, I think that's a really cool thing. Uh, and, like, oh my god, the storylines, if that if that goes well. Like, if they make any kind of run. Because they're obviously going to have to play through the open bracket. Because version 1 has not competed in Halo yet. So they're, they're going to have to go through the open bracket. But imagine if they make a run. Imagine if they make a huge run through the open bracket and they end up pulling off a big upset. Like, they upset, I don't know, they probably wouldn't beat Sentinels, but they probably wouldn't beat the top three, Cloud9, Optic, Sentinels, but imagine if they were to beat, say, Complexity. Because Complexity is a signed, scouted roster that Complexity went out and got. They're not a partnered team, so they don't have as big a budget, but Complexity is still a really good Halo team. If you went out and... If they if they went out and beat them and then, say, put up a good fight against, like, an Optic or... Because Optic with Formal is, uh, pardon my French here, shit-pumping everyone. Like, Optic with Formal is disgusting. They might win Kansas City. But, say, if they go out and they put up a good fight against the Optic, then they make
1: a, a nice run-through loser's bracket before bowing out to i don't know cloud nine or sentinels like
0: imagine the content and the crowd will because the crowd there will know about this the crowd will get behind them more and more as the event goes on if they keep doing well so i am i am all for this i think this is a great idea and and whoever ends up winning the uh This uh, this tournament, I'm just going to call it the uh, the version one challenge. Like whoever ends up winning the version one challenge. Like they might get signed as V1's permanent Halo team and like get to go to Orlando. Because. I mean, they'd be an NA team. The the NA regional has already happened. (laughs) Happened on Super Bowl Sunday for some ungodly reason. But I, I I like this. I like this idea. Hopefully, hopefully more orgs do this. Some of the smaller orgs, because some of the big the big orgs they should just like scout amateur teams and sign them. But quote unquote smaller orgs like version one, like yeah, they can just they can just do fun stuff like this, or heck, make make it really cutthroat. Just like invite some of the top some of the bigger orgs just like invite top amateur teams to compete and and winner and winner gets signed like that'd be fun to watch that that'd be one that hey orgs I'm giving you free content here just pick like the top eight or the top sixteen north American amateur teams hey or whatever the amateur teams are in your region, Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Latin America, like just find the top amateur teams in your region, however many you can get, put them in a tournament bracket. Winner gets, winner gets a one event contract. Winner gets a one event trial contract as your rep. And if, and then you just go from there, like, the content to come from that would be insane. That would be so much fun. Like orgs, that idea is out there for free. (laughs) Please do something with it. But uh, in, in other Halo news, not directly related to the game in, uh, by the time this episode comes out and you're listening to this, the Halo series will have already started on Paramount Plus, and uh, despite some very clickbait articles, some very very clickbait articles based on what I've heard from sources I trust, like oh yeah they they're saying like oh yeah we didn't we didn't really think about the games. That's more of a um, because clearly they thought about the games. the design is the design of everything is picture perfect. Like, I could see something for a split second and immediately recognize what it was. Spirit dropships. All of the UNSC and Covenant weaponry and vehicles. Like, like we saw a Warthog. Like, the front end of a Warthog for a couple seconds in one of the trailers. And you immediately knew it was a Warthog. It looked like a Warthog. It sounded like a Warthog. Same thing with the spirit dropship and the uh, the energy sword. Like, the energy sword, you hear, in one of the trailers, you hear the thing ignite. And it's that same, that same, like, very iconic, like, almost on the level of a lightsaber ignition. It's not on the level of a lightsaber ignition. Like, the level of a lightsaber ignition is insane. But an energy sword, when you switch to it and and bring it out, that's up there. Like, ga- at least gamers know that sound. And, like, the elites look perfect. So, clearly... They looked at the games because they got the designs absolutely dead on. Cortana looks a little weird, but she's supposed to look like Halsey. So they uh, they they had to make her look like the actress who they got to play Halsey, which, you know, should have just been Jen Taylor, but...
1: Hey, and she's playing Cortana. <laughs> Why couldn't you just get Jen Taylor to play Halsey?
0: And I, we knew from the beginning, it was going to be a different timeline. Like chief Spartan team, isn't blue team, it's silver team. So already there's a difference, but it's, I'm pretty sure it's still Fred Kelly and Rebecca. Like it's still, it's still chief Fred Kelly and Rebecca. So it's, it's still the same team, but they're calling them by a different name. So like, we know there's going to be deviations from the main timeline. Like the fall of reach hasn't happened yet but yet we're still looking for a halo ring. So the timeline is going to be out of order. That's fine. Like, honestly,
1: if they do this right, which I think might be where they're going, it could justify why the attack on Reach is such a big deal. Because
0: I don't know... It's never explained if the Covenant in Halo Reach, it's never explained if the Covenant know how important Reach is to the UNSC.
1: Because Reach is a military production hub for the UNSC. Like, there's a massive Oni base there, and there are a lot, a lot of, of weapon and vehicle production going on there. So, like,
0: if the Covenant knows that, sure, they would target it, but they could also target it as retaliation for destroying the first, ha- for destroying a Halo ring. Because they consider Halo rings sacred. So it's like, oh, you destroyed one of the sacred rings, we're going to go blow up one of your most, hab- we're going to go attack one of your most habited, most important planets. Because Reach's population is near Earth levels. Like, Reach is a massive population center. That's why it going down was such a big deal in the Halo timeline. Like, imagine if the fall of Reach was the end
1: of Season 1. Or imagine if Season 1 ends with, with like, like a, a reference to nobility. Saying something about the win uh we have a winter contingency
0: on reach, like imagine season one ends with that. I know I'm getting my hopes up here, but I can see where this trajectory is going based on the fact that the fall of reach has not happened yet, and my opinion is as long as they hit major points in the timeline, the fall of reach, the
1: destruction of the ring, the invasion of earth like. Like you could do those in any order. Like they don't really
0: have to happen in the exact. Actually, Invasion of Earth should probably be after the other two.
1: Like it should not go Halo Earth Reach, because obviously Earth is more important. Like the actual
0: timeline is Reach, uh, it's Installation Zero Four, the the Halo Ring from the
1: first game uh earth more earth ark uh end of the war and then destruction of the flood
0: or at least i mean the flood haven't come back in the games since halo 3 so i think the flood are actually destroyed in that moment but yeah it's uh it's a whole thing i i'm still excited for this show If it ends up being bad, I will call it
1: out for being bad. But for right now, until I watch a first episode, I'm going in with
0: an open mind, reasonable expectations, and prepared to critique what I see, good or bad. Like, if it sucks, I will say it sucks. I will come on here and say, this show sucks. Because the la- if the last, what, nearly 30 minutes have proven anything, it's that I care about the Halo franchise. No matter what medium it's in, games, books, movies, TV shows, does not matter. Clearly, I care about this franchise. So, who knows? Hopefully, hopefully we'll get something good out of this. I think we will. Like, the guy playing Chief, he's got... He's got most of the mannerisms completely down from what I've seen in the trailers. It clearly shows that Halsey is in fact a terrible person. So they have a very, like the characters we have seen character moments from in the trailer, the ones that are actually from the game, they show a very clear understanding of who these characters are. Like the Dr. Catherine Halsey is up there with captain John Price in And, like, this person is a walking example of the ends justify the means.
1: Because, go back and play any game with Captain Price in it. That man, that that
0: is his personal code. The ends justify the means. It's the same with Halsey. Like, Halsey sucks as a person. She played a direct role in saving not only humanity, but the entire universe. She's still a terrible person. And clearly the show understands that. So that's what I got for uh Halo. Did not expect to lead the show off with this, but uh here we are. Up next, we'll uh completely switch gears and talk some March Madness. That's coming up next here on the mashup. Alright, welcome back to the mashup. Let's uh let's get into some college basketball, shall we? And I have mixed feelings about this tournament. Mostly because, like, the Thursday-Saturday games were so much better than the Friday-Sunday games. Like, we had a lot more close games on Thursday.
1: The, the Friday games were incredibly chalky. And most of them were blowouts. Like, it took...
0: It took until like the end of the two o'clock window to get a good game. And that was Davidson, Michigan State, which was a really good game. And then you had Colgate, Wisconsin, last game of the night. Also really good, even though the the refs kind of ruined the end of that one. The, The refs really ruined the end of Colgate, Wisconsin.
1: But like on Thursday, you had a bunch of upsets. You had Memphis and Boise
0: State going back and forth. You had Longwood giving Tennessee some issue. You had Richmond just dunking on Iowa. Uh, obviously, New Mexico State beating Connecticut. I-, I should never pick against UConn. And of course, or I should never really pick UConn because you can't trust them. And of course, the big one, St. Peter's demolishing Kentucky in overtime. That game was awesome. And... Like the fact that St Peter's has like a nothing budget there there's a thread out there that talks about like how bad some of the situations were at at St Peter's like it was a regular thing that the basketball team's offices would flood and they just had to work with like an inch of car inch of water on the carpet. And the drywall, the carpet, and the roof
1: tiles were just never replaced after they got rotted and waterlogged. It was, uh... It
0: was, it was something to read through that thread. Or that just, like, randos who weren't even students would just come in and, and practice on their court wearing Tim's. Um... I have tried to play basketball
1: wearing a lot of different footwear. Um, Yeah, it, it's it feels straight up impossible
0: to do it in Timberland boots. And also, that would really jack up the floor. Like a lot. Like, in jeans and Tim's was the quote from the tweet. I have tried to play basketball in jeans, too. That's also not fun. in terms of fun, playing basketball in jeans is right up there with playing basketball in dress pants. Like, it's... They they both suck. You, you get a
1: little bit more freedom of movement in jeans, but not much. Like, not much at all. I don't know
0: how the heck people played basketball in Converse when that was a common thing to do. That sounds painful.
1: But... Like, some of those tweets were insane to think that they beat Kentucky. And they were clearly the better team the entire game. Like, that's the sad part. That
0: wasn't a fluke. St. Peter's was the better team in that game.
1: Which is hilarious, given my hatred of John Calipari. But, like... I I think it's,
0: I think it's hilarious because I absolutely despise one and done recruiting. I I think it's, I think it's an overall detriment to college basketball. And John Calipari has been the face of that for a decade. And I'm glad that it's finally catching up to him that uh, these smaller schools who guys don't go pro right away. Or don't transfer to bigger schools right away just absolutely dominate him in the tournament. I think that's hilarious. Like, Kentucky had no business winning that game, even if they did. Just from the way they played. They were sloppy, they were undisciplined, and their defense sucked.
1: And of course, since the game wasn't anywhere near Kentucky, the crowd was massively getting behind St. Peter's, and now St. Peter's gets to play in Philly. St. Peter's University is in Jersey City. So they're going to make the trip down. There's going to be a lot of St. Peter's students at that game. Heck, if St. Peter's
0: athletic department was smart, they would probably uh they'd probably find a way to get their students a crap ton of tickets and get them down there. But it's that was that's been the the most interesting result of the entire tournament so far, just because like it was a 15 over two. They, uh, they're becoming more common, but I'm Liberty didn't get in at all. So I'm, I'm riding with, uh, I'm riding with St. Peter's (laughs) unless they lose to Purdue, (laughs) unless they lose to Purdue on Friday, I am riding with St. Peter's.
1: (laughs) Or are they playing on Thursday or are they playing on Friday? Yeah, they're playing on Friday. So, yeah, until until they go home, which, let's be honest, will
0: probably be on Friday. They're 12 and a half point dogs against the number three seed who actually deserves to be a number three, unlike
1: Kentucky, who did not deserve to be a two. But this, this tournament's just been weird because it's been this weird mix of like the first grouping, the Thursday Sunday grouping had a lot of upsets. Like, there were even upsets on Sunday, like like the the obvious big one was
0: Miami beating Auburn, and TCU taking it to Arizona where they had to they had to go to overtime and the big big one iowa state beating wisconsin which just proves th- those upsets proved the the big upsets this year have proved two things the sec was really overrated and the big 10 was really overrated <laughs> because between the two of them they have three teams left
1: and uh, other than other than st peter other than purdue they're all uh they're all dogs. Arkansas is a
0: nine and a half point dog to Gonzaga. Michigan is a five point dog to Nova. And then Purdue is a, a 12 and a half point favorite over St. Peter. So two of the three are two possession, two or more possession dogs. Honestly, not 10 is
1: what four possessions. Two threes, two, twos, yeah, like yeah that's a that's
0: a that's a four or yeah, that's a four possession game, because even then three, threes, that's not enough, three threes, and you need a four point play to even tie that, so yeah that's a that's a two, three possession favorite in both of those games, and if if you want to get technical with Arkansas that's really a four possession game because four point plays are so rare in
1: college four point plays are just rare in basketball in general. But, like, it was not a good, it's not been a good year for the Big Ten or the SEC in the
0: tournament. Same as, it's, it's basically the same as, uh, it's basically the same as the Pac-12 last year, where the Pac-12 was just a joke.
1: The Pac-12 was a complete joke in the tournament last year. But that's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting
0: set of games on the, uh, on Thursday night. I'm I'm looking forward to some of these because I don't think I think Arkansas can pull the upset over Zaga
1: if Gonzaga plays like they did early against uh who did they against Memphis.
0: Like if if they play like they did early against Memphis before they made that big run, Arkansas can beat them. Like, cause Arkansas plays a very similar up-tempo style to Memphis and Eric Musselman could, could, uh, inspire a turtle to run through a brick wall. So I'm actually, I'm actually riding with Arkansas on this one. I, if nothing else they cover cause nine and a half to that Arkansas team, that's an insult. If nothing else, they cover the spread. They might not win outright, but they're going to cover that nine and a half line. Uh, I think I think Michigan's time has come. The Big Ten's not was clearly not very good this year. Uh, I'm sorry for doubting Nova and picking Baylor to beat them in the finals, because you know Baylor went and lost to UNC in overtime. So I'm I'm definitely riding with Nova in that one. I, I Texas Tech's only a one point dog. They can absolutely beat Duke because uh, Duke is. Duke is Duke is still Duke. They're they've fallen off since coach K has embraced one and done recruiting. And I don't think they have it in them to beat a really good team like Texas tech Houston, Arkansas. That'll probably be the best game of the day on Thursday. That one's going to be, that one's going to be a banger. That that one's going to be an absolute banger. Like Friday's got some good. Friday's got a decent lineup too. Uh, St. Peter's Purdue should be fun just to see if St. Peter's can be the first 15 seed to reach the Elite Eight. Like, only three 15s have made it to the Sweet 16, and all of them have happened within the past 10 years. It was Florida Gulf Coast in 2013 where they got demolished by Florida in the Sweet 16. Oral Roberts lost close in the Sweet 16 last year. Maybe this is the year where, uh, where a 15 seed does make it to the Elite Eight. If if they could do it against anyone in the Sweet 16, I, I honestly think Purdue is the most likely. Like, maybe Purdue or, like, Iowa State. Just because I think they're a good stylistic matchup for Purdue, and, and defense travels well, and they clearly prioritize defense. Providence, Kansas is going to be fun, because I think uh, Ed Cooley is in the same vein as Eric Musselman, where they could motivate a turtle to run through a brick wall. So I could see, I can see Providence in the same boat. Where at the very least they're going to cover that minus seven and a half, that or plus seven and a half for them. They're they're going to cover that plus seven and a half even if they don't win outright, which is still a very
1: good chance they do. Uh, North Carolina UCLA. See, that's the thing. I haven't
0: seen enough of the Pac-12 this year, just because you know time difference. But I know UCLA is really
1: good. But I, I think the ACC has proven to be way better than we expected them to
0: be this year. So I don't know. Maybe North Carolina does pull that upset. They're only two and a half point dogs. They definitely cover that. Uh, Iowa State, Miami. I have no idea. I am I think Miami's going to take that one just because, like, they're Miami. They've been here before. It's been a while, but they've been here before. Like. If nothing else, Jim Laranega has been here before. So, yeah, I could see I could see Miami maybe pulling that win there. That, that's going to be a good one, too, because it's a 10-11 seed. And it's basically guaranteeing one of those two double. It's basically guaranteeing a double-digit seed in the
1: Elite Eight. Because one of them has to win. And I, I think there's going to be. No, because I don't think Michigan can do it and I don't want to
0: pick St. Peter's because it's just really hard to pick a 15 seed this late in the tournament. But yeah, we're going to, we're obviously getting at least one double digit seed in the elite eight. Do we get two or three? I don't know, but that's, that's the big thing that this tournament so far has proved is that the gap is closing it like 15-2, I think is going to become more and more common just because it's happened two years in a row now. And they've both made the sweet 16.
1: Like it hasn't been a fluke. Because there was um Middle Tennessee over Michigan
0: State was another one. Was another 15 2 that I want to say happened in. I want to say that happened in either 20. No, that wasn't 2014. That was 2015. In in 2015, that was a really good game. Michigan state was also my national champion picked uh, that year and they lost on day two
1: of the tournament. So that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, my, my bracket's completely screwed, but
0: th- this tournament has shown that the gap is closing. Like seven, 10 is just as much of an even matchup as eight, nine. Now, like there used to be a slight difference between the seven, 10 and the eight, nine game. Like, you could pick the seven a little bit more reliably. Now you can't. Now seven ten is just as much of a toss-up as
1: 8-9. But like 16-1, it's still, I think that's going to hold for a while. I think
0: UMBC is going to hold hold that one for several more years.
1: Just because like Georgia State, like, this year's Georgia state team could probably beat the
0: 2018 UMBC team. Like if I'm being honest, the 2022 Georgia state could beat 2018 UMBC, even though UMBC won because
1: like Georgia state is probably the best 16 seed of all time. And they didn't win like that gap. That gap's gonna take a while to close. Like Georgia State was underseeded and they still lost.
0: It it's gonna take because that's the thing. All the one seeds are on much more high alert now because no one else wants to
1: be Virginia. That that's the other part of it. It's it's no one else wants to be Virginia. I mean, sure
0: they won a national championship a year later, but in the moment they didn't know that. They didn't know that at all in the moment. They just knew, oh crap, we just lost to a team most people have, we just lost to a school most people have never heard of. Unless you live in Maryland. Because obviously people who live in Maryland know them and know them by a uh, a slightly racially charged nickname. Nothing directly racist. Just... UMBC has a lot of international students. So... uh You might be Cinderella made a lot of Marylanders laugh because um, that's only changing one word from what a lot of people know UMBC as, is uh, you might be Chinese. (laughs) Because they have a lot of international students,
1: like a lot of internationals, like even more than uh, Maryland College Park does as the bigger school. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think, I
0: think the Sweet 16 is going to make up for the kind of lack of upsets we had in 64 and 32. Like the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, because I can see, I can see a few potential upsets here. I can see Arkansas, I can see Texas Tech, honestly, and I can see Providence, and I can see North Carolina all winning their games. Like, if I if I had to pick those the upsets to happen this weekend, I'd go with those. It's gonna be Arkansas, Texas Tech, Providence, and UNC. They're they're gonna get big wins this weekend. And I hope we get a buzzer beater in there somewhere. Like, I, I I truly hope we get a buzzer beater in there somewhere. And can we get a run back of Nova UNC? I don't think we can.
1: I I don't think we can get a run back of uh of, of Nova UNC. Actually. I think we can. Cause I think, uh, cause East West is one side of the bracket. South miss South Midwest is the
0: other side. Yeah. We, we could potentially get Nova versus UNC in the finals again. And, uh, well, neither team, especially UNC, are as good as they were back then. When those two teams beat in the tournament, magic happens. Like, honestly, I kind of want that now. I kind of, I kind of want a run back of uh, of UNC versus Nova to uh, to happen again. Let me check the ESPN bracket and see if that can actually happen. Because I can read the the tournament challenge bracket better than I can the one on uh, the score. There you are.
1: Let's see. Let's, let's just, uh, let's just take a look. Can they meet in the final four? I don't. Oh my God. I, yeah. East West is one side of the
0: bracket. South Midwest is the other. They can meet in the national championship game. Oh my God. (laughs) I kind of want that now. I kind of want Nova UNC to happen now just to see if it comes even close to how good 2016 was. I doubt it because I don't think this UNC team is as good as the 15-16 UNC team. But, hey, you never know. If they make it that far, clearly they've got something as, you know, what are they, an 8? Yeah, they're an 8. Like, if they make it that far, they've clearly got something special. And as much as I would want Nova to win in that situation, it would also be hilarious that, like, a not great UNC team went and won the national championship in Duke in coach K's last season as a head coach. Like forget, forget winning K's last game at Cameron. That would be bragging rights forever. Like, Oh, we won a national championship in K's last year with a coach you made fun of for not being that good. Bragging rights Forever. They already have that. Imagine adding a national championship on top of that. Because I think they'd have to beat Duke to get there. <laughs> would they Would they have to beat Duke to get there? Are they on the same? Oh my God, they're in the same part of the bracket. They would have to beat Duke in the final four to get there. I, I want this to happen now. I don't think it will. But I want UNC to beat to face Nova in the national championship and have to beat Duke to get there. I want that to happen now. I don't think it will, but that would be so freaking funny. But what do you guys think? Uh, are your brackets completely screwed like mine? Uh, I filled out a second chance bracket on ESPN tournament challenge. So hopefully that one will do a little bit better for me. I don't think it will. Cause I feel like we're going to get some makeup, some makeup chaos in the second weekend but that's what I got for uh college basketball up next we'll uh switch things back over to uh nerd stuff and uh talk about some CDL it's coming up next here on the mashup okay CDL time it was uh it was certainly something in uh in week 2 qualifiers cuz uh other than OpTic, we had some pretty crazy stuff go down. <laughs> like, OpTic was just, you know, OpTic, and and so was FaZe. But London needed to reverse sweep Paris in the first game of the week. <laughs> that happened.
1: Uh, Surge went 0-2 after beating FaZe again. New York finally won not only a hard point, but a second hard point. And that second hard point, they almost took Paris to the 200-point club. They,
0: they did beat them by more than 150, though, which is um, insane, because that means they held them under 100 points. <laughs> You know how hard to do that how how hard to do that is in a game of hardpoint, especially on a big ass map like Berlin so clearly um n y s l has learned how to play hardpoint after making a roster change that um let's be honest, they desperately needed, and uh both havoc and clay had some things to say about that uh clay was not too happy that the c d l announced it before either him or the team could even though. He'd been kind of teasing it for literal weeks. And, uh, and Havoc had his own thing to say because, uh, it came out that he turned them down and decided to stay in challengers with Texas nation who are just dominating challengers right now, because he said like, Hey, I'm, I'm happy with, I I'm happy with Texas nation.
1: Let me, let me go back and, uh, let me go back and find this. Cause it was, uh, it was a whole thing. Here we go. Here's the, uh, here's the twit longer. First off, I'm grateful that
0: New York reached out to me in the first place. I've been working hard this year to get back in the league, but at the same time, getting on the wrong team could be detrimental to my career. That, be, that being said, this was something I had thought through for days, going back and forth on what would be best for me. Uh, NY came to me and said they wanted to make a two-man change. From what I was told, they didn't have a system, weren't watching vods, were yelling at each other in practice, and only had ten points. So we would so clearly we would need to turn things around quickly to make champs. I felt like the solution was bringing in someone from my team who could help teach our prop, teach our system, and expertise that. That process, Hydra didn't want Breezy, and they didn't want another main AR like Jordan, so Kiss made the most sense to me. He grabs Bomb, he's a great teammate, and he can be a nasty flex. After talking with the team, I liked where Clay's head was at, and his view on how to how to improve, a, improve as a team lined up exactly with mine. My ideal team was myself, Clay, Kiss, and Hydra, but that didn't work out. They decided to get Paul X instead, who was just telling the entire challenger scene that I had to be hacking like a week ago. There it is. That's why he didn't want to join NYSL because they had signed Paul X. And he thought
1: he was going to he it seemed like he was going to be teaming with clay, not with Krim. Big difference there. And obviously he wanted to uh, stay with challengers.
0: Here, here it is. Even though we're battling in challengers, this is my favorite team that I've ever been a part of. So clearly... He loves playing with Texas Nation. I mean, they're really good. And I mean, you're playing with General. Like, he's a good player. He would he beat would Because I'm pretty sure Texas Nation is Optics Academy team. Or they have strong ties to Optic, just because, like, General was... Uh, Chicago Huntsman sub forever. I think he was Optic Chicago's sub too. Yeah, and here's the big one. Finally, I want to express how poorly this was handled on the flank. It was unacceptable being called a moron and saying that I might as well retire in front of thousands of viewers when I was not there to defend myself and my decision, nor was I even asked to come on the show. After seven years in the pro scene, I expect more respect and he deserves that and to the flanks credit cuz i don't follow havoc on twitter they retweeted the link to his twit longer
1: that's how i saw it in the first place so yeah he's he's got
0: he's got some valid points he made in that and i think i think zuma agreed like zuma's a guy who doesn't have much of a filter neither does aix that's kind of why the flank is, is so popular because it's it's guys just talking without a filter about Call of Duty pro play and just the game as a whole. Like, that's why the show is so popular. The two hosts have no filter. But if you're going to insult Havoc like that, bring him on the show, say that, and then let him defend himself. That's, that's what you got to do. But I'm I'm very much I'm very much looking forward to uh to this coming weekend, because hopefully LA Thieves won't finally win a search and then get reverse swept. <sighs> Including a loss on Gavutu control. We've been calling Gavutu Thieves Island since the beginning of the season. Now they can't win there at all. Because they lost there to FaZe
1: and they lost there to London. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, twice. They, they lost
0: there to FaZe because they lost uh, Gavutu Hardpoint, which is supposed to be their bread and butter mode at the major. Then they lost Gavutu Control to London and Gavutu Hardpoint to London in just a regular-ass match. And uh, got swept because they, you know, can't win Search. And then, you know, they finally win a Search. They're up two on Rocker going to Gavutu Control. You think, oh, hey, we're we're pretty good here. Nope, they lose Gavutu control. And uh and they get reverse swept by the kings of the reverse sweep themselves, Minnesota Rocker. And now they're uh they're 0-3. So uh yeah, get your crap together, thieves. And getting your crap together does not mean making another roster change. The roster is fine. You just need to play better. And uh and do more search scribbing. But you have LAG and Seattle Surge, so you have a chance here, because I know the only team Surge could beat last year was LA Gorillas, and and Octane was a key piece of that, and now you have Octane, and Octane wants to get revenge on Seattle Surge. So this weekend, you know what you have to do. Just rely on Octane and his gorilla killerness and his Surge hate. Just rely on that and, uh, you might be okay heading into, uh, heading into the stage two major because right now you're not looking great right now. You're, uh, you're headed for, uh, starting off in losers bracket and God only knows who you'll face in, uh, in your first losers bracket match next weekend. And shout out to Rocker. They sold out the weekend already. They'll, uh, they'll honestly probably sell out Thursday and Friday too, because they've built up an incredible fan base there. And I am very proud of them for that. They've, they've made a uh, city-based orgs not look like a complete flop. But uh, yeah, interesting weekend coming up. A lot of, uh, kind of lopsided matchups except for the second to last game on Sunday where you get phase versus optic Texas. That's going to be fun. That's going to be real fun because like it's, it's optic versus phase. It's a rematch of the two best matches from the last major. Obviously it won't be happening
1: on land, but it'll still be good. But what do you guys think? Uh, did the flank
0: handle the whole thing with Havoc horribly wrong, or uh, were they were they in the right? And that's just that's just the show. Um, what do you think about NYSL's new look roster? Would would Havoc's plan have been the right one? I honestly think, I honestly think it would have been better. But you needed you needed to get Clay out of there. Clay's washed. Like I hate to say that about one of the best players of all time, but Clay is washed. And uh, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? A couple, couple interesting matchups here where with with some upset potential. Like, Florida could absolutely beat Vaze if they play well. Uh, LA Gorillas probably won't beat Optic because Optic's been looking insane since the Major. Like, both in the Major itself and qualifiers for the second. <laughs> like, they've looked absolutely dominant. So we'll see. We'll, we'll see. They, they finally learned how to play search, which uh, has been plaguing optic for years. And that's what truly scares me is the fact that they actually know how to play search now, but that's what I got for uh, CDL up next. We uh, have some NFL stuff to talk about. That's coming up next here on the mashup. And since it is a year round sport, we do have to talk about the NFL because some big stuff happened in just the past couple days. So after saying they were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes and, uh, going, crawling on their knees back to Baker Mayfield, only for him to say, nah, screw you guys. The Cleveland Browns somehow managed to land Deshaun Watson on a fat contract with a very prorated salary where his base salary this year is uh, only a million dollars only for an NFL player. That's an only number, especially a quarterback, especially a talented quarterback like him. Um, But yeah, he's probably not going to play this year because last time I checked those 22 civil suits are still out there. Even though a criminal grand jury refused to prosecute, those 22 civil students are still out there. That doesn't prove his innocence. Saying there's not enough evidence does not prove innocence. That says we can't prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because I I I love that uh, I've taken a couple law classes, like one and a half. Beyond a shadow of a doubt is the standard for criminal law. A lot of times... With sexual assault cases, it's really hard to prove it
1: because how do you prove it unless you have a camera or the women report
0: immediately after it happened, which uh
1: unfortunately does not happen often. How the heck do you prove it now, if it gets proved that he's
0: that this didn't happen. Uh, Both the NFL and the court
1: system owe him an apology. And he should be able to play this year, no problem.
0: Now, if it comes down that he did actually do this and he's only suspended for a year. Oh, man, the hammer is going to come down on the NFL because they suspended for they suspended suspended Calvin Ridley for a year because he was gambling while not playing. And he bet $1,500 over the space of a couple days. For him, $1,500 is chump change. And Josh Gordon got suspended six years, which at his age is basically a lifetime ban for smoking weed. Which I get multiple offenses, but in most states... Smoking weed is not illegal, and as long as you're safe when you're doing it, it really only has the potential to hurt you.
1: As long as you don't drive shortly after smoking, or while you're smoking. Like, as
0: long as you don't go anywhere while it's in your system, and you're alone or with other people who are also partaking... The only potential damage you're causing is to you and other consenting adults. And again, in most states it is not illegal. It's federally it's federally illegal, but in the states where it's locally legal, they don't do anything about it. And like even then, the feds don't really care. They have other problems to deal with.
1: But if he only gets 1 year, for multiple sexual assaults. (laughs) The court of public opinion is going to come down hard on the
0: NFL. And the fact that he set up his salary in this way means he expects to be suspended for the entire season.
1: So Cleveland's going to be a disaster this year. (laughs) Cleveland's going to be bad. And like, I've seen people even outside of Baltimore say the Ravens still win the division this year. Unless the Bengals
0: fix their O-line, I would tend to agree. And that's partially me being biased, but the Bengals don't have a good O-line. The Ravens' defense was injured to hell and back last year, and they've made moves to fix their three main issues from last year. Pass protection, the secondary, and the really just the entire defense. Really, just the entire defense was bad last year because, again, injured to hell and back, especially in the secondary. And then the healthy members of the front seven massively
1: underperformed. But, yeah, Watson to Cleveland. Um, The AFC North is absolutely stacked
0: with quarterback talent. Because you have Deshaun Watson, who uh, did not win a Heisman, but did win a national championship. I think he actually... No, he just won one. He set the stage for Trevor Lawrence. No, he might have won two. But he won a national championship. And then you have Joe Burrow, who won a national championship and a Heisman. And you have Lamar Jackson, who has won a Heisman and an NFL MVP. So, uh, yeah. The, um, the AFC North is loaded with quarterback talent, except for the Steelers. Cause, uh, they've got Mitch Trubisky and, uh, we'll get to him in a second, but I really don't think they're getting Malik Willis. They don't have the assets to trade up that far to get him.
1: but there's, there's been some other quarterback movement, uh, that makes me kind of think the, uh,
0: Outside of the Buccaneers, the NFC South is going to be kind of a joke this year. Because the Falcons are going to have Marcus Mariota as their quarterback. Like, he was so good coming out of college. But he has just absolutely flopped in the NFL. I mean, he's been with a lot of bad teams and bad situations. And he's been injured a few different times. So maybe with a, a fixed Atlanta. Maybe, but... Atlanta's front office is still steaming hot garbage. Like Atlanta's front office is still really bad. Uh, They're also not going to have Calvin Ridley all year. So I don't see how the Falcons do anything this year because I think the Panthers are going to improve because I honestly think they are very high on Malik Willis. So I think they're going to go after him. And they will do everything in their power to prevent the Steelers from getting him, because he's going to be the he's going to be the first QB off the board. But the NFC South, outside of the Buccaneers, is probably going to be a joke this year, because even even if they do get him. Like, Malik Willis is not going to completely turn the Panthers around in one season. Like, they have to, they have to get some other pieces. We'll see what they do in the draft. But as it stands right now, the Bucs are going to walk all over the NFC South. Because the Falcons traded Matt Ryan to the Colts, which they absolutely needed to do. Like, let Matt Ryan get the heck out of there. Um, your terrible play calling in 28-3 is. What kept this man who absolutely deserves one from winning a Super Bowl and winning Super Bowl MVP, probably, because you know, it generally goes to the quarterback. Hey, like, the Falcons should have won that game. You were up 25, and then your play calling got overly conservative and you lost. And the Falcons have yet to recover. So yeah, it's the kind thing to do to trade Matt Ryan out of there. And let him go try to win somewhere else with a competent front office, a.k.a. the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I think their owner's an idiot, but the
1: front office itself is good. The, I, I think the owner's a moron. He got that from his father. But
0: the the front office itself, like Ballard, Reich, like, they're good. It's just say who's an idiot. And and speaking of idiots, uh the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. They got a pretty big haul out of it. But uh yeah, they uh what did they what did they get in return? They got jeez. They got a first, a second and a fourth this year
1: and a fourth and a sixth next year. That's a lot. I mean, sure, like, the first-round pick is number 29 this year. Like, it's not a great pick. But, man, that's uh, a lot. That's a big haul for him, which he is worth.
0: But I'm going to run with this joke all season until Tyreek Hill says otherwise. I get the feeling he walked into the locker room one time saw Jackson Mahomes and Juju Smith-Schuster both making a really shitty TikTok together, and he just walked out and said, no, I'm, I'm not doing this. Like, poor Patrick Mahomes. He's got to now deal with his brother and Juju. And based on what he's done the past couple of years in Pittsburgh, like, I know he's had a not-good quarterback throwing to him, but clearly he hasn't been as good the past few years in Pittsburgh since Antonio Brown left. Cause the defense would always
1: key on a B and, uh, and leave Juju open to do stuff. And then, uh, and then, well, a B left
0: and defense started keying on Juju and he couldn't do anything to stop
1: them from shutting him down. And his attitude got a million times worse. So yeah,
0: I don't think this is going to work out. Because that just means you have another Jackson Mahomes hanging around the Chiefs who's only slightly better at football and just brings an absolutely toxic attitude to the locker room. I wouldn't want that. Like Tyree Kill is a terrible person. And he's still like, no, I don't want to be here.
1: (laughs) Like, you are still going to be the number one option. You're better than Juju. So clearly
0: something happened that just rubbed him the wrong way. He's like, no, I want out of here. And he's going to the Dolphins, where he's probably going to be the number one receiving option. Are the Dolphins going to be good? I don't know. Like the NFL is a wild unpredictable mess every single year other than saying the NFC South is going to suck this year and the AFC West is going to be nuts. And I think the Chiefs might end up being the worst team in the division. <laughs> Cuz the Raiders got DeVante Adams. Clearly he doesn't want to play with Aaron Rodgers anymore. And uh of course he left after Aaron Rodgers signed a fat contract to stay with Green Bay. So clearly he just doesn't like Aaron Rodgers. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. But him and Derek Carr set records together in college. So um, I can only imagine what both of them are going to do now that they've gotten better since college. And and speaking of college, uh, Liberty's Pro Day was on Tuesday. And uh, Malik Willis drastically improved his draft stock. I don't care what Mel Kuyper says about him going number 20 to the Steelers. That ain't happening because multiple teams who all have picks ahead of the Steelers, the Seahawks, the Commanders, which is still really weird to say, and the Panthers, all sent a lot of representation to Liberty's Pro Day. And like, sure, the big story is uh, Malik Willis went out to dinner with Mike Tomlin And Tomlin got chicken wings. And I just have this mental image. Shout out to, uh, shout out to my friend Denton Day for giving me this mental image of them just sitting at the Buffalo Wild Wings on Wards, which I have been to many times. It's a great Buffalo Wild Wings location. Just sitting at that Buffalo Wild Wings on Wards. Uh... And the about 25% Liberty student staff just walking past their table and doing a double take just to confirm, wait, is that Malik Willis eating dinner with Mike Tomlin? And looking back and saying, yeah, that's that's Malik Willis eating dinner with Mike Tomlin. Sure. I guess this is just what happens in Lynchburg now. And like, I think Ian Rappaport, or no, it wasn't Ian Rappaport. It was uh, Todd McShay. Todd McShay was there, NFL Network was there, Malik Willis looked like an absolute beast, which Liberty fans have been trying to say for the past two freaking years. And uh, yeah, I I felt great joy knowing there's no way in hell the Steelers are going to get him at 20 and there's no way in hell the Falcons are going to, not the Falcons, the Panthers are going to let him get away because I I honestly think he's going to the Panthers. And once he does, I'm buying a black Malik Willis Panthers jersey because um, I want one. I'm going to get one of them and I'm going to get a black, uh, probably do purple, get a purple Lamar Jackson jersey and a black Malik Willis Panthers jersey if that's where he ends up. If he goes to the Steelers, I'm not buying his jersey and I will be crushed because I don't want the Ravens to have to play against the best player in Liberty history twice a year. And speaking of Liberty players, um, hey, Ravens, DJ Stubbs, Kevin Shaw, do it. Actually, Kevin Shaw, he's a receiver. Or Johnny Huntley, because I know you like tight ends. Johnny Huntley, Kevin Shaw, either one, both. Like, either one would be good, because Lamar needs targets. And just go back and look at the Pro Day footage of any of the receivers working with Malik, because... They are very similar players. <laughs> like they're about the same height, very similar skill set. Like just look at the pro day footage and look at the receivers, clearly they know how to work with a receiver like or a quarterback like Lamar Jackson because Malik Willis's best pro comparison is Lamar Jackson. But I I'm just happy that uh Malik Because a lot of a lot of national people are saying like Malik Willis is going to do good things for Liberty for the next 10 years because he balled out at his pro day. He got to show off their incredible facilities because that indoor practice facility. I have never been in there, but I have walked past it many times and I can tell you it's really nice. It's it's a very nice facility. I have, I have never been in there, but I've seen them practicing on both the field on the inside and the, uh, and the mini turf field that is right outside the indoor practice facility. Um, they're both really nice and I have been in the football operations center. That building is incredible and it got redone right before I graduated. So now it's even better. So yeah, they've got incredible facilities and Malik's Pro Day got to show that off and he got to show off all the talent they have there and what Coach Freeze can do, this is going to do good things for Liberty Football for the next 10 years, and I love that. Yes, this is me being biased. I don't really freaking care because ESPN, NFL Network, and Pat, Ma- Pat McAfee and Barstool were all talking about how good Malik Willis is on Tuesday. So if they can do it, I can too. Just because I graduated there doesn't mean it from there doesn't mean it's not the truth. <sighs> but yeah, Malik Willis. I hope he goes to the Panthers because uh, their jerseys are really cool and I want to have an excuse to buy one. Even if I almost never wear it. Because I'm still a Ravens fan. I don't know what would happen in the event of a Ravens-Panthers Super Bowl. I would be very conflicted. But if it was anyone else against the Panthers and Malik Willis is their quarterback? You bet your ass I'm wearing that Malik Willis Panthers jersey to the Super Bowl party, and I am cheering hard for the Panthers, because I want a guy who graduated, another guy, because Eric Green did, twice, I think. I think he won one with the Steelers and with the Ravens, or no, he just won one with the Ravens, because the Steelers did not win one in the 90s. They only win. I want another guy from Liberty to win a Super Bowl, because Rashad Jennings had the most talent, but he was never on good teams. He was on the Jags and he was on the Raiders and then he was on the Giants. And then he went and won Dancing with the Stars and realized he didn't have to play football anymore. And now he runs an esports team, which is a weird, weird collision of my worlds. like the previous best football player in Liberty history started an esports team. This is, this is weird, but, uh, yeah, that's what I got for uh the NFL. And uh, two other cool things that I just wanted to talk about before we wrap up the show. Uh this is still so weird to say. Uh FaZe Snoop Dogg, because that's a thing. Yeah, FaZe Snoop Dogg is a thing that I can say and be a hundred percent serious. Like, he was wearing a phase he was wearing a phase clan logo chain at the Super Bowl halftime show. Now, he's getting a skin in both Vanguard and COD Mobile. And in typical Snoop Dogg fashion, he looks like a time-period-appropriate pimp in both games. He's got a long trench coat. <laughs> he got a long black fur-lined trench coat with a vest and a big-ass hat and some gold chains in the 40s in Vanguard. Well, in the 1940s. And then in what I assume is the 2040s for Cod Mobile, he also looks like a pimp. Got a black and gold like a black trench coat with gold trim. He's also got a chain and he's got his glasses on. He's not wearing a hat in that one. He's just showing off the cornrows, but I feel like that's more like near future fashion. Like near future kind of cyberpunky fashion is uh is no hat. You just you just show off the hair. And uh yeah, that is a thing that is happening in 2022. He got a he got a voice pack in Ghosts 10 years ago, which was hilarious because that was just when Infinity Ward realized Ghosts kind of sucked as a base game. So they just got really weird with it. And you got like actually good DLC maps because they were just super gimmicky and just fun and really freaking small. And they added a a Snoop Dogg voice pack. So you would get get Snoop Dogg telling you you have your spy planes and your various other killstreaks ready. Which would be hilarious if they brought it back. It would not fit the Vanguard vibe at all, but neither does a Snoop Dogg skin. So, I mean, what are we doing here, Call of Duty? I think it's hilarious, but it's still really weird. Like we're getting a Snoop Dogg skin before we get like a crim skin or a scump skin or a clay skin or a simp, a beezy, Celium, Ars really any member of Atlanta phase octane, Kenny TJ Haley methods, like any of the star players of the cod league. Nah, we go with Snoop Dogg. I think it's hilarious, but it's still weird. And I know I haven't talked about League much lately, but uh, some very good news on the LCS front. LCS Spring Playoffs will have fans in the LCS Studio and tickets are sold out. I mean, the LCS Studio, not very big. I think it holds a couple hundred people. But they do get really loud in there and the LCS has missed that entire vibe. And that's also a good sign for Worlds later this year that Worlds will actually be hyped for the first time in two years. Three years, because Worlds in 2020, the build-up kind of sucked. And then the final was good, because you actually had fans at the final. And then you didn't have fans at all last year, because you were in, you know, Reykjavik. Hopefully they don't have MSI at Reykjavik again, but they probably will, because Valorant Masters is there, and they're around the same time. so probably won't have fans at MSI, but at least we'll have an MSI again this year. And I I kind of hope, uh, I kind of hope T1 win both LCK spring and MSI because this feels like fakers right off into the sunset year. So uh, that's kind of what I'm hoping for, but uh, that's what I got for this episode of the mashup. I'm really hyped. Uh, LCS, Spring is gonna have fans in the studio, and I think the Snoop skin is hilarious. I, I legitimately do. I think the Snoop skin is really funny. But what do you guys think about anything I talked about on the show today? Because uh, there was a lot. This is a long episode. We're, we're close to the hour and a half mark. But uh, yeah, that's what I got. I uh, hope you all enjoyed. Hope you will enjoy the rest of your week and uh, whatever it is you're gonna watch this weekend. But uh, talk to you guys next Wednesday. See you then.